Amen. Amen. Um, well, I wanted this morning, as before we jump into some details about the Own It Initiative, kind of wanted to take you guys a little bit back in time uh, to when I was uh, eight years old. And so we lived in Plano, Texas. We have any DFW people? Okay, some of you got anyone from Plano? We got any Plano people? Hey, looky there. I used to be in Plano. Um, and so when I was in Plano, we went to this small church called Legacy Drive Baptist Church. And my brother and I actually got baptized on the same day. So again, I don't know everyone's uh, background, church background. You know, we were talking today as a staff. Really, you know, Antioch is like Ellis Island. We're just like a big melting pot of a bunch of different denominations and non-denominations and no denominations. That's pretty much what Antioch is. And so if you ever wondered, man, there's such a mixture of people around here. Well, it's because people come to this city and they jump into this church and we've all got different backgrounds and stories. And uh, I was thinking about just mine and how we were raised in a Baptist church. And I remember on that Sunday, I can still remember it. My brother and I, we had the white robes on, you know, and we got, and the baptismal was like in this angelic spot. It's, oh, you know, with the big bright lights and the water. And we like walked in there and got baptized and it was awesome, right? And I remember that. I was like, man, that was fun, you know? And, um, and I, I was thinking about when we got baptized, where we were living. And what's interesting is in my childhood, I was very fortunate to have, uh, to still have a mom and a dad who loved the Lord, who were committed to, uh, to keeping us involved in the church. And, you know, in my first 10 years of life, uh, I believe we moved about eight or nine times in my first 10 years. Now, the first question you're asking is, well, was your dad in the military? The answer is no. Um, but we moved around a lot because it was the 80s and there was lots of financial issues that our country was in at that time. And you had to keep moving to, for different jobs and different things. And so I remember we moved from Plano to McKinney to Duncanville to DeSoto to Dublin, Ohio, then back to Plano and moved all the way around. And in all those transitions as a child, um, what I remember is that everything was changing, but there were two things that were constant, right? It was our family and our faith. That was it. Everywhere else, everything changed. The sports teams, the classrooms, the house, the neighborhood, the state, it kept on changing. And so if we relied upon those places for being our anchor, we were in trouble. But for our family, our anchor was our family and it was our faith. And you know, every time we moved, my parents were very committed to actually making it work. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like my dad knew every year we're going to move. It's just the way things unfolded. But what I will tell you, looking back, what my parents did do is everywhere we moved, every church we were a part of, every new school we enrolled in, every sports team we participated on, they decided we are going to be all in with this place, even though we kept moving. <laughs> and so they actually trained us as children to say, wherever you are, I want you to be all there. And then if God moves us, we'll be all there. And I share that with you because I know that's not most people's stories of moving a bunch around. Probably child psychologists would say you cause a lot of trauma in those children. That probably is true. Um, but what I want you to capture is that the anchors were our faith and family. And at the same time, we were able to be committed somewhere no matter what was going on. 
and my parents diligently would, would make us visit three or four churches everywhere we moved to. Literally, it'd be like, boxes are not unpacked, we're going to church. We're checking this church out, we're checking this church out. And within a four to six weeks, we landed somewhere. And you know what? All those churches were not the greatest, uh, honestly. Like, it wasn't like, man, this is the church. But it was a gathering of people that said, hey, we're committed to the word of God. We're committed to relationships. We want to see our children grow up underneath the word of the Lord. We want to do things as a family. We want to have an outlet to serve. And we ultimately want to do our part to build up the body of Christ. And so it, wouldn't, it wasn't like every church had every box checked. But it was, if Jesus is king, they're preaching the Bible, we can make that work. I share that with you because we live in a day and age of reviews, <laughs> right? You won't even go to a hotel unless you see reviews on it. You won't buy something on Amazon unless it's got at least a thousand reviews because you think it's shady. Yeah. That is the culture we live in. You won't visit a church unless you get several personal reviews or Google that church online to see what's really being said about them, right? We do it with everything, right? We take people's opinions more than we take God's opinion. We actually take the opinions of man more than the word of God because God's not there clicking reviews and filling out little forms. God's already given his review, which is called the Bible. His review of mankind, right? Which is actually pretty, pretty bleak. And, and, and then I love it. Pastor Sam Hill said last week, we missed it. It was amazing. He just talked about one verse, for God so loved the world, John three sixteen. That's God knew it was bleak and so he sent his son his only son, for you and for me and for us. And therefore, now today, we have something called the church. We have Christians. We have people that know the Lord. But what I love about my upbringing, amidst all the changes, is that that instilled in me a mentality to be committed wherever I am. You know, fast forward, we moved to Austin when I was in the middle of, of fourth grade, and we actually stayed there. So I actually had, did have a stable childhood, so to speak, fourth grade on. And we were able to be invested there in a local church. It was a church startup. They didn't call them church plants at the time. That was kind of a 2000 beyond word that's kind of cool and edgy to go plant churches. And back then it was just a church startup and they met a little middle school there in our school district. So we showed up as this little Bible church and we didn't know anybody and, and we met there in the school cafeteria. And then the Sunday school was actually in some portables about seven or eight minutes away you had to drive to at this office complex. So, you know, today it's like super awkward. It's all these safety concerns, right? It's like, I don't know. We just hopped in with buddies and drove over there and we're in portables, you know? And we did Sunday school. We did church, did the whole deal. And, you know, I, I remember that my mom and dad got involved in teaching Bible studies and we were involved in some of the youth ministry and that kind of stuff. But what I remember again was what our parents had taught us. Hey, our anchors are going to be our faith. Our anchors are going to be our family. And at the same time, we're going to invest wherever God puts us. So let me fast forward. Now I'm 38 years old. That's right. Some of you thought I was 25. I'm 38. Um, and we are here in Brian Cove Station. My family and I, we moved here uh, in 2009. I actually started our family. Ethan is our oldest son. And he was born literally a month before we launched Sunday morning services at Antioch. It was probably not wise. But you know what? When God calls you to do things, he doesn't ask for all your opinions about it. He just tells you to do it, right? Um, that should be a Bible verse. Nike's old slogan, just do it. That should just be, that's whatever God says, let's just do that, right? 
but we moved here, right? And, you know, I just want to share with you guys that, um, that God has called us here to the people here in Bryan College Station, for better or for worse, right? For the good, bad, and the ugly. We've only lived here 11 years. Some of you are going on 12. Some of you lived here many years longer than that, some shorter. Our town ain't perfect, right? Bryan College Station's got problems, right? This is not, this is not heaven on earth, right? There are moments where it's like, yes, you know, and then it just goes bad, right? And so, because we still live in a fallen, broken world. But when God called us, he called us here not just to a location, but to a people. And as I unpack this today, I want you to hear my heart, which is we are called to do this as a people. Um, more, more than a location, more than um, different goals or initiatives, it's a people. And what we are believing is that God has initiated not only in 2009 and moving forward, but he is giving us fresh language and a fresh sense of hope again, a fresh vision. And not that it's some brand new vision. Do you know what I'm saying? I just want you to hear my heart in that. But sometimes God has to refresh things, right? Like, like just like in your marriage, when you're married, like, you know, on that honeymoon stage, that first year, it's like, man, this is so fun, you know? Five years in, you may need like a refresher. Like get away for a week or two. Right, I, I've talked to families that literally, they're like to, to married couples, they're 20 years in and their last time they went on a, a vacation together as just husband and wife was their honeymoon. If that's you, stop that and go on a vacation this summer. Okay, we will help you fund it or something. We'll figure it out. We'll do a GoFundMe for you. <laughs> but like, you need a refresh in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? Like, kids are awesome, but man, they can make you go crazy because it's hard. But your marriage is the covenant you made. You've got to find a way to contend for that. And the same way God has called us to here to plant a church and to be a people, which means we need a refresher sometimes to contend and to be reminded of what in the world are we doing around here? Right? Are we going to the motions? No. But God has called us here as a people. Remember when God called us here? I told my wife, said, babe, we're changing our cell phone numbers. She said, well, what do you mean? I've had this number for 10 years. And I said, well, that's a good reason to change it for one. Let's give her all those high school people. You know, all those boys trying to text you and stuff. You don't, they don't need your number anymore, right? I'm, I'm the only boy texting you, right? But we moved here and we said, hey, we are 979 people. 979. And I was like, and I would, I would meet college students early on. I said, hey, man, you're here. I said, change your number. They're like, why would I do that? I'm from Houston. I said, not anymore. You're from Bryan College Station right now. That's right. You may go back to Houston. You may not, but this is your home. Guys, when I was in college... I went home my freshman year three times. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. I lived in Austin. Really cool place to go to on the weekends, hang out, you know, live music, all that sort of stuff, F1 racing, whatever all the stuff is now. But I didn't. You know why? Because I said, this is my home. So I was the guy here on the weekend. Maybe everybody else left. I was here. I was like, who wants to go play Ultimate Frisbee at the same park again? You know? Who wants to go to the one theater and see the same movie? I mean, but I was here. This was my home. Right, this was my hometown, and I invested here. When we moved here, guys, we said, hey, we love you guys in Waco. Hey, we love you family in Houston. We love you in Austin, and we will see you. But God's called us to start a new family here, a new family. And I just want you to know that is what this is. You may see it as just a church or an organization or something you attend, and that's fine. But that's not who we're building with. 
If that's you, we want you to be blessed. I do. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to get prayed for. I want you to get the meat of the word. I want you to, I want you to have a great community and life group. But if you're just passing by, that's fine. I'm not really speaking to you today. But if you're on the fence and you're saying, you know what? Um, I've, I've done a lot of attending. I've done a lot of church just watching. But I actually want to get involved. I actually want to be part of the family. Then I'm going to call you into something again in a fresh way to actually make that commitment to be a people that are all in. Because really, what this whole journey is about, what we're on right now, and the Own Initiative is about people taking ownership. It's not a foreign word. It's not some new, catchy hashtag, ownership. You know, that's not, it's, but it is timeless. And I would argue that God has been calling people to him for thousands of years, calling them into taking ownership of his values, of his mission, of his heart. Calling them in by way of the Great Commission, or the calling the disciples, or anything else. He's calling them as a people. You know, it, um, back in August 2015, uh, someone approached me, and they actually gave me a call that day and said, hey, I really need to come talk to you. And that's not completely unfamiliar being a pastor, but this person, it was a bit unique, and it was like on a Saturday, and I said, oh, okay. I said, when? He said, I, I need to come over now. I was like, oh, okay. So I think we were, I don't know, making food or something like that. So he shows up, said, hey, can we go meet in the back porch? I said, sure. I said, Ash, well, you take care of the kids. I'm going to go back and talk about what's going on. So we sit down and talk for a while, and he begins to unpack for me a story that went on for about an hour, hour and a half. And in this story, he shares with me these these dreams he's had and these things that God's put on his heart. And he pulls out from this bag he had these set of plans. I said, hey, I want you to know something. I said, this whole story is a lead up to this. God spoke to me so clearly and said, this land that you own is no longer your land. It's Antioch's land. So I want you to give this land to them. So we showed up. He said, I've never done this in my life before, but God spoke to me, this is your land. I don't know what you want to do with it, but this is for you guys. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this wasn't like a birthday gift. Like, hey, here's a toy. You know, it's like, whoa, what? And he's like, here it is. This is what it is. And so you just tell me how it can help, but this is yours. What you don't know is that a few months prior to that, I called together a group of people, about 20, 30 people in this church and said, hey, would you guys join with me in taking some time to fast and to pray and to seek God on our future? Because as a church, we'd been in this building for a couple of years. We didn't know where we were going. And we said, you know, we were going at the time. So Lord, we don't know what to do, but we need your guidance and direction. This person actually happened to be part of that group and came back around. He said, as we've been praying and fasting for what God was saying and looking, man, where do we go? That's when God highlighted to me, you're, you're going to be part of this. And so he generously, radically gave us a big chunk of land, which is going to be our future home one day as a church. I share that story with you because that person didn't have to do that. Uh, I, I didn't ask them to do that. No one coerced them to. They just sought God and God said, hey, I have blessed you, I've taken care of you, now I want you to bless and give this away. That's where our story starts. Well, that was August 2015. And, you know, from there, we kind of sat on it. Honestly, we were a bit in shock. As a leadership team, didn't really know what to do. We're like, this doesn't happen. I mean, you know, of course people say that kind of stuff. Like, man, wouldn't it be great if someone just gave us land? You know, but that like never happens. And then it actually happened. And so we weren't really sure what to do. 
And so we sat on through years and worked through some different ideas and concepts, but then eventually kind of evaluated and came back to the table a couple years ago and said, hey, we are now ready to embark on this journey together. We need to get serious about it. So that's where we launched the Own It initiative. Officially, we launched it back in February of 2020, so just a year ago, which I like to say to people was perfect timing. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I also want to say this, that in this, in this journey, um, what I would not have known is what God was going to do with this last year with our church. There's been a lot of shaking and shifting and moving and all that sort of stuff. But you know what it's done too? Is it's, um, it's allowed us to see who are those that are really called to be with us. And that's not always fun. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's challenging. It's like, it, it's, it, if a team was to go through a losing season, let's say, it's who the players are going to stick around, the coaching staff, or who's out of there. And that's okay. I bless everyone who's gone or moved on. And honestly, we're like uh, every other church in America, just in case you haven't noticed, that have experienced so much dramatic change and people are even trying to figure out where they land on faith and what they believe about the church and what about this and how everything intersects. It's all crazy, you know? Um, but I think what it's really blessed us with is allowing us to see, hey, who are those that are going to be family? Like, who are those that actually want to set up anchor here, right? And I don't know who that is, but we are invitational just as the gospel is. The gospel is simply an invitation for relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to, but he's available. He's available for the forgiveness of sins. He's available to give you new life and new hope. This church is not perfect. We're not Jesus. We love him. We try to represent him. We try to honor him with our lives and obey him, but we are not perfect. But we are saying, we are calling out the invitation again to say, will you be part of this family? Whether you're in college or young adult or family or whatever your journey is, even if you're like, I don't think I'm going to be here for 10 years. That's fine. I wasn't going to be a student A&M for life. I mean, or else I'd be super, 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 super senior. I mean, I'd be grandparent senior. You know, I'd still be there. And you guys are like, dude, weren't you here 10 years ago when my dad, you know, it's like, okay. So I was not A&M for life. I knew that. But I went all in while I was there, right? And I'm telling you, this is a principle in life you need to latch onto for your life. If you go through life seeing everything as a stepping stone or as just temporary, you will never experience the fullness of what God has for you and those around you. How many people don't get blessed because you weren't fully committed? Do you understand me? Like how many organizations didn't get everything they could have out of you because you held back? And I would say the same thing for the church and for relationship with God. He's asking all of us to be completely in with him wherever that is. You know, a few weeks ago, Jimmy Seibert came. He's the senior pastor at Antioch Waco and really founded this movement of churches that are stretches across the U.S. and around the world. And he shared this word that he had shared a few months ago in some other, uh, in some other uh, venues, but he shared it with us. And it was this conscription word. I won't unpack it all for you, but you should go back and listen to it. Um, but essentially what he shared is that, you know, during World War II, there was this big cruise liner ship called the Queen Mary. And the Queen Mary was used to carrying, you know, passengers across from the Atlantic, you know, back from the U.S. to England and so forth. But during World War II, when, um, uh, when, when the Allies needed fresh support and America jumped in the war, they actually conscripted the Queen Mary and retrofitted it so it would now be a troop carrier. No longer a cruise liner, but a troop carrier, conscripted in the battle for service. And he said at the end of the war, there was over 400,000 troops 
that's a lot of people, have been transported back and forth from this boat. And in large part, many of you give credit to the Queen Mary as being one of the major causes for us winning the war. Because Europe needed our troops, and we couldn't just fly them all over. I think about that word, and I was like, Lord, what are you saying to us about that? And I think that that is not just a word for us. It is a movement word. But we live in an hour as a church right now where God is conscripting his people, his resources, the giftings, who he's called people to be. And he's saying, hey, I need you in the Lord's army, so to speak. I need the church to rise up in the midst of darkness, wherever it is in our world. I need the church to now engage with the mission of God. That we have to be retrofitted in a sense. And even as I think about it for the church, our church has to innovate in such a way that is still biblically aligned, but is being creative and saying, God, what are you saying now? Because we don't want to just do things the way we've always done them. We want to be fruitful. So our measuring stick at Antioch is fruitfulness. And, and you know, I, I don't have a checkbox for like fruitfulness about everything. You know, like kids worker, fruitful or not fruitful. That, that's not what we do. Okay. But like Jesus said, you'll judge a tree by its fruit. So he was pretty smart. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to look at our ministries. We're going to look at our church. And we are and we have been evaluating places that are not fruitful. And we're changing them. Or we're uh, pausing them and rethinking and praying through that and getting advice. Like, we want to be a church that is healthy in every area. And you know what? Right now we're not. But that's why we're on this own it journey. And what I figured out finally is that we actually can't get healthy unless we have more people conscripted into the game. Like, we can't get healthy just with a few people saying, yes. It has to be a group-wide, church-wide, community effort, or we can't get there. It has to be every person saying, I matter in the kingdom of God. I have value and worth because Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And now I need to step into my spot. Wherever that is, with acts of mercy, with Unbound, with children's ministry, with being on staff, with playing on Sundays, with helping out during the week, with, with contributing other ways, with being a life group leader, with serving within your life group, with helping your neighbor, with being a part of an outreach things we do, or going to church planting, or being a part of ADS, or whatever else it is, we need everybody in the game. You don't win a war just with one kind of soldier. You need nurses. You need doctors, you need mechanics, you need pilots, you need generals, you need captains, you need the guys in the foot, you need the snipers, you need all of it to win the war. And I would say the same thing with the church. And it's not just that God's conscripting us as a people and as the Antioch movement, but a word that God gave us as we started off this year, if you remember back in January, we shared a word on alignment. And we don't say it a lot maybe on Sundays, but internally on staff, we're using it every week. God is calling us to align ourselves again with him and biblically what it is to be a church and to be a follower of Jesus. And we are aligning every area of ministry with that. So anything that we are doing that's off, that can't be biblically clearly supported, we are removing it or changing it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're not just chasing things. We are trying to align ourselves with not only the word of God, but the mission of God. So when we think about we are aligning ourselves with people this year, with the word of God and mission of God. He's conscripting us as the church, as the people into service. That means resources, giftings, personnel, time, and all of it. And you pull it together, that really is what the ONA initiative is about. It's a discipleship initiative to get us all moving in the right direction as a people. 
You know, in Genesis chapter 12, one through three, the Lord said to Abram, before he became Abraham, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, the term blessed highlights the hope that through Abram, people everywhere, all over the world, may experience the favor of God, the grace of God. It was through the line of Abram who became Father Abraham, and eventually through Judah, through David, Jesus came. But you know, it required Abram to leave what was comfortable or what was familiar, to go on a journey to actually gain and receive something that was way better. Did you know that that's how God works with us individually, especially? Like when he calls us into something, it's like, oh, this is familiar though. I know how to do this. This is comfortable. This is kind of easy. I figured this out now. Now you're calling me to risk? Oh, but I did back in college, God. Come on. <laughs> I got kids now. Can't risk now. Right? Or you're like in college, you're like, man, I can't risk. I mean, I got my whole future got it planned out. No risk yet at 25. We'll risk, you know? Right? And, and so all of a sudden we put stipulations on the timing of God. Man, that's not what God does. God says, Abram, it's time to go, man. He's like, what are you talking about? I mean, what? Where are we going? I'll show you. It's like, oh, okay. So I have to trust you, not just trust my map. Right? It's not, it's not trusting your map. It's actually trusting him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us just to lock in on the direction. He wants us to lock on the person leading us. And you know, guys, when God speaks through his word, through his people, through the Holy Spirit, it's a combination of encouragement and challenge. <laughs> he's encouraging because he's calling you out. Remember that. That should be number one encouragement. God, you see me? Yes. Oh, Abram. Wow. You know, Jennifer, Thomas, Billy. It's like, what, you know my name? Of course I know your name, you big dummy. I made you. Come on. Are the hairs in your head? I know everything about you. I love you. Of course I sent my son for you. Right? I mean, just of course I know you. You've been hiding. I got you now. I need you in my army. I need you in the game. Guys, you can run or avoid or turn a blind eye or put the earmuffs on. But God does not stop pursuing you. That's what's great about him. He's radical in his pursuit. He's radical in his love. He's radical in his mercy and in his grace. And you know what he said? Remember when the disciples said, hey, how many times should we forgive people? Seven times? Love that. That's probably our answer. Seven. That's a lot. Maybe two? Seven. Gosh. You know, they turned on me. That's too much. He says, 70 times Seven. Which, no, don't do the math. It's not 490 times only. That's an expression to say unlimited. Because his love is unconditional. His forgiveness is not limited. Which means his invitations are unlimited too. He's going to keep inviting you until you don't have breath. Did you know that? He may invite you and you said no and you said no. And at 75, you finally say yes. I got family like that that said no to him for years and at the very end said yes. You may too. I wish they said yes at 15, but they didn't. 
But God's love is radical and unconditional. So I don't care where you've been or what your journey's been like. You're not out. You're not excluded. You're not ostracized. You're not no longer can be in the church. It's like, man, God forgives and he blesses. And he says, come on, there's room for you. There's obviously still room because Jesus hasn't returned yet. Just remind people that. If there was no room left, he'd already be back. But he's saying, I won't return to this earth until my house is full. And his house ain't full yet. So just three quick things I just want to highlight as we wrap up here in a few minutes. This own it initiative, the first one is own your pursuit of Jesus. It's there in the card, kind of gives you the basis of it. You've heard me share it before, but I just want to highlight this passage in Matthew 4, 19 through 20. When Jesus began his ministry, he invited a few young men into his ministry and to the journey. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know, years ago, um, someone read this passage to me and they just said, you know, the Christian life is pretty simple. Followers of Jesus and fishers of men. That's what it is. And I was like, why did I never see that before? Hello? That was the calling. Hey, follow me. Let's go fish for people. That's pretty simple. It's like, oh, we just have to pursue Jesus. But how are we doing that? By committing to personal discipleship. Because when you become a disciple of Christ, you then do like Christ. You love, you forgive, you evangelize, you encourage, you pray for, you minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the salt, the light he shares with you. You are now co-laboring with him. And now it's like, oh, I pursue Jesus so I actually then know more about who he is and how he does things. And then I get to partner with him in that. That's the beautiful journey you're on. It is a journey that doesn't end in this life. It continues on as you get closer and closer. We are called to be followers of Jesus and fishers of men. The second piece is to own your place in his mission by committing to selfless service. By committing to selfless service. Um, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Let me just pause right there. Man, guys, can I, can I tell you something I try to tell my kids all the time? Don't compare yourselves to somebody else. Learn from them? Yes. Compare? No. There's one person you're supposed to compare yourself to. It's Jesus. Like, it's okay. Comparison is okay when it's you and Christ. Because he's here and you're here. You're just trying to learn from him. Learning from others is one thing. But comparing yourself, your looks, your giftings, your talents, how you talk, where you're from, what your, what your brain capacity is, how well you did in the SAT, which I did pretty poorly, but I still made it. Just, you know, here you go. Here's an example. You can make it a life and do bad at the SAT. Don't compare yourself, though. Right? Because he says, and the members do not all have the same function. Do you know that? Not all are called to do the same thing. Although, in our society... And I would say in the church, the big C church, there are certain roles or positions that are highlighted and elevated and put on a pedestal. The word of God is not doing that. Even Paul said, hey, I'm not the least of these, man. We'll look at Apostle Paul. Man, look at that guy. He wrote, yeah. And he's like, listen, I'm just a servant. The gig that I got was to go around preaching while people throw stones at me. You want that gig? 
Because that's my gig. Not that glorious. You know what I'm saying? I mean, most of the other Christians who knew about him ran from him because they thought of his old life. I'm like, here comes the persecutor Paul. He's like, well, well I'm, I'm good now. I'm nice, you know? I mean, he didn't have a lot of friends. It's not like that glorious. So be careful what you wish for. What we should be doing is saying, God, how have you made me? What have you put in my heart? And what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be about? I'll do that. And I'm going to do it for an audience of one. I don't care what everyone else says. God, you said, come every Monday and take out the trash at Antioch. No one knows my name. No one sees it. But I'm doing it for you. That's all I care about. And we got people that do that and do it with a smile on their face. They're not asking for free cookies or donuts. Okay, I mean, we give it to them sometimes, right? But, but they're not asking for that. They signed up to serve in the secret place. You can also serve in the public space. I'm so thankful for our team. They have lights on them. Okay? But, like, it doesn't make them better than you. It doesn't make them more important than you. But we are saying we want everyone to find their spot because we need it. We can't be a healthy church if we don't have people committed and a part of this deal. So he goes on to say, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We're one body. I just want to reiterate that. That is the mission. We cannot, we cannot see the mission of God accomplished in our church and what he's called us to do with just a few people, part of the game. The last piece I want to share with you is to own the price of progress by committing to radical generosity. You know, the price of progress um, includes people being united on having generosity in their hearts. And as a church, I think we've also recognized that there were a few years in our church's history where we went really deep, but weren't going very wide. There were a few years where we went really wide, but didn't go very deep. Like there was a time we had 12, 1,300 people in here in three services, and we were blowing and going. And, but I would argue half the people didn't know anyone else's name. And it was big, and it seemed exciting from the outside. But when you dug in, it's like, uh, I don't know if people really know each other around here. I don't know if discipleship's really happening. I think there's a lot of people just kind of showing up like they would do a ball game. And we were like, that's, that was not our intention, but that's just what happened. Um, I don't think that's the case now. I, I think, honestly, I think if you're here, you want to be here. You could be sleeping in. You could be doing COVID church, whatever you want to do. You could, you could be a part of any church in America, anywhere in the world you want to right now, actually. You could just go watch them and join with them and all that sort of stuff. I think you're here because you want to be here. I think you want to be part of a church family. You want to grow and to feel like you're part of something. So do I. Like it's a desire to say, I want to be part of a people. I want to be moving together with a tribe. I want to know that we are doing something together, not just alone. But in order to progress and move forward, it requires radical generosity, much like the story of how we got the land but in Matthew six nineteen through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the last verse I want you to think about. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, whatever we give our time to, our money to, our energy to, that's what we care about. You can say what you want to say, so can I, but the facts don't lie. That's just proven. When we care about something, when we believe in something, we want to give ourselves, give our talents, give our resources to it, to see it accomplished. And so some of you in this room are committed and you are in with us saying, hey, we want to see this new facility established. We want to see this staff be healthy and in a place where it actually can cover the people. We want to see the resources available for our youth and our kids and for the future. We want to see the college ministry expand and grow and have life groups all over the campus and meeting all over the city. We want to see family ministries develop and grow and get to a place to where we're able to offer more things to people in our city to help them in their marriages and their finances and their crisis. Like, we don't want to be a church that's just taking care of the people in this room. Do you understand me? We want to be a church that's able to actually provide things for those in our community that are on their own journey with God and not sure what they think about Jesus. We want to be an avenue of hope and a bridge for them. But there are certain things that are limiting factors in this facility and at this size of staff and what we're doing. We have dreams and hopes. We just can't get there until we get more people involved on the team until we have larger spaces to do some different things. That's just, that, that it's like gravity, it just is. And trust me, we have, we use every square inch of this literal building. You can ask our staff. I mean, we pack people in everywhere. You go to our garage, you can barely walk through half it. We just cleared out and threw a bunch of stuff away to get this awesome youth room that we're working on, okay? But like, I mean, we use everything in this building. So like, I can tell you before God, we have actually read in the sanctuary three times. We knocked that wall down where that little brown stripe of carpet is right there. That used to be a wall. We knocked that one down on Easter Sunday like five years ago. Then we knocked that wall down. Then we knocked something else down. And it's like, this is it. And, and the city said, hey, you can't get any bigger or else we're shutting you down. Because you only got so many bathrooms to ratio. It's very complicated, okay? But just, that's where it is. So I'm telling you, this is our building for now. But God has said, this is where you need to be. This is what I'm going to do for you. And he's provided for us before. He will continue to provide for us now and he will in the future. But he's trying to provide for a people not an organization. Do you hear me? It is for a people. This is a people thing, not a entity thing. We have to have a name or else we just call ourselves the church and everyone gets angry at us, okay? (laughs) So then they're gonna, all sorts of stuff. But that's, we're people, right? So I'm calling you into this as a people. We're in. My family, we are sacrificing financially. My family, we are giving time and energy beyond my job or work, right? And I'd be doing it if I wasn't on staff here, right? When we were back at Antioch Waco, we gave to that and were part of that as best we could when they were going on their whole journey. What I'm asking is for us to be people that are bought in. And it starts with you owning your pursuit of Jesus, finding your place in this church family and this mission, and then saying, God, what do you want me to do about generosity? It may be money, it may be time, it may be giftings. I don't know what it is. That's between you and the Lord. I'm confident God will provide for us. But I, it is my job to invite you in to the family. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the team on up, worship team, as we close this morning. Again, all, all of these things I'm sharing, guys, it really is just a heart issue. <laughs> I, I want you to hear me say that. I know I get pretty excited up here sometimes and get loud and 
when I coach sports, you know, I'm yelling just because I'm energetic and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I get intense about things that I care. I care about. If I, if I don't care, I usually just fall asleep. Like, I, I've literally been a part of some, some meetings at nights, late nights, sometimes in my house. You've been in a meeting, and Tyler's on the couch, and everyone else is talking, and I'm just kind of fading. You know, and every once in a while, I'll be like, uh-huh. And they all know I'm sleeping. They just kind of put up with me, you know. Um, but I don't fall asleep in the meetings that I care about. Right? Which means I never fall asleep here. That'd be funny, though, wouldn't it? I mean, just mid-sentence, just gone. But here's my deal. I want you guys to know you're part of family. College students, a lot of you guys are going home for the summer. This is your last Sunday. Um, some of you are graduating. You may go on to be part of other churches and stuff. And I just want to say to you, find a church home. You use my story to encourage you. We moved eight or nine times. We found a church home every time. We didn't wait six months to be at a church. And we didn't wait for a perfect church. But the church matters because you know what? He's coming back for his bride. That's why we're committed to this. The bride, the bride of Christ, the body, of, it is the church. So that's why we're so committed to seeing it flourish and grow. And we know that everyone that touches the church is going to be blessed. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be helped in their journey. That's what we are called to do, is to help guide people to relationship with Jesus, who ultimately can heal them, help them, and transform them. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we close in worship. And just as, as we do, I just want to believe that the Spirit of God is going to be speaking to us this morning. So I'm just going to have you stay where you are this morning. Um, and if you need someone to pray for you, just reach over to them and say, hey, can you pray for me, man? Because everyone in this room is capable of praying for somebody. Okay, you don't have to have a badge on or a tag to pray for someone. If you know Christ, he's already given you that badge. He's called the Holy Spirit and he's sealed you. And he said, hey, guess what? It's time to pray. So if you need to pray for someone, pray for them. If you need help, help. But if not, just worship and just say, Spirit of the living God, speak to my heart this morning. Is there anything holding me back from being a part of this family? Maybe there is. I don't know what it is, but deal with it. He can take it. And say, God, this is what's happened. This has hurt me here. I don't know, God. I'm not here for a while or my future is uncertain. I don't know what it is, but ask him, Lord, what's holding me back from being committed to this family at this time? Not forever, but for now. That's what we're inviting you into this morning. So, Lord, we trust you. We thank you. We honor you. And we just pray you would speak to every one of us that our hearts would be moldable this morning. That you'd reveal to us what you want to say, what you want us to be about. And you would encourage us. Encourage us, whoever needs encouragement in the room, to say, you are a child of God. You are chosen. You are loved. You are known. He knows the hairs in your head. He knows your name, the first and the last and the middle. He knows everything about you. And if he's called you to himself, he's called you to be part of what he cares about, which is his mission, his bride, his people, the church. So what I pray, would you help us work through whatever we need to work through with you, Lord, so that our hearts can be in a place to say, hey, we're part of a family. In Jesus' name.